Ah, hello there. I hope everyone is having a great day, and welcome to the Draft Up Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson of Blue Chip Scouting. We are your hosts for today's episode, and boy, is it going to be a good one. We have a few prospects to talk about today uh, for both of us for summer scouting. Can't wait to give some competent and good analysis on prospects, unlike what we saw Thursday night with whatever Kendrick Perkins was talking about, comparing Chet to Giannis and other BS comparisons. I mean, Devin, like, what are we even doing, right? We're comparing Chet to arguably the best player in basketball. What are we doing? I, I know you're yeah. covering the yeah. – Yeah, it was, it was, it was strange. Um, I feel like – you know, just like we talk about the NFL draft, you know, you don't need to force comps in the NBA draft. I mean, it's it's, it's very, very hard to see a, a player, you know, try and compare, you know, multi-time all-star, multi-time MVP to, to someone that, you know, play, played at a high level at the college basketball level, but that doesn't always translate. So... You know, just like NFL draft, NBA draft, it's, it's kind of the same, but you, you can't force counts, man, because it, it it just ends up biting you. So, Yeah, and it puts unrealistic expectations on young prospects. Um, and that goes for, like, NBA draft, NFL draft, Major League Baseball draft, NHL draft. I mean, it, that – that just comes with what the media wants to try to project onto prospects. And then all of a sudden now you have some fans believing, hey, I thought this guy was supposed to be the next Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know? Like, no. I, I don't expect um, C.J. Stroud to become the next great quarterback in the NFL. I expect him to be a really good quarterback in the NFL, but I don't expect him to be – you know, this superstar, like, he's not going to overtake Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback in the league. I don't believe that. But, again, the expectations just, it gets out of hand. And we see this every draft cycle. NFL draft, MLB draft, NHL, NBA. We see it for all sports. So, I mean, it, it just it is what it is, unfortunately. But, Let's get into some draft prospects. Um, I know you have a few drop, draft prospects you want to talk about. I have a few guys I want to talk about. Um, Devin, I'll let you get started um, with J.L. Skinner. Um, I know you're a big fan of his. Tell, tell the listeners what this guy is all about, who he is, what type of player he is. Yeah, so uh, J.L. Skinner is someone that kind of popped on my radar following, I think, one of was after week one or week two, uh, he had a, a fantastic game against UCF when, when boys in UCF play. He was all over the field. Uh, he plays safeties. He measures in at 6'4", uh, 215, 220 pounds. Um, he, he's very and, – and this is not a comp at all, but he his stature uh, really reminds me of, of Cam Chancellor coming out of Virginia Tech. You know, really, really stoutly built. Uh, a player that that comes downhill with reckless abandon, 
a very physical player, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage and, and playing from, uh, you know, his, his, his safety depth. So for me, you know, the, he popped on my radar. And then, you know, a couple of weeks after the UCF game, he played Oklahoma State and, and he hit this dude so hard that, you know, he made him basically do a flip in the air. And, and that's when I really knew that, you know, you know, this guy might be something. So dig into his background a little bit. He didn't play much as a freshman um, a couple of years ago, sophomore years when, you know, COVID hit. But but when he uh, saw some some starting playing time, I think he started five of the six games they had during the pandemic year. Uh, he was out for the protocol for one of them. And, and you saw some flashes of, of a really good player. But, um, you know, getting, getting to talk to him, um, Back in February, I was able to, to kind of learn more about his progression because he, he didn't play safety at the high school level, you know, really till he got to Boise State. That's when he started playing safety, played receiver and corner. But um, that that's when he started making making strides. He had a, a really nice interception against Colorado State in 2020 where, where he was kind of uh, anticipated the route and was able to jump on it. But, but for the most part, he was still learning and, and had a lot of struggles against BYU that year. Uh, Zach Wilson uh, kind of breakout season. So then from there, you know, 2021, he's really starting to put it together. Um, like I say, he's, he's a stoutly built safety that, that can come downhill, um, can play the, uh, you know, deep half, deep third as well. Although I do think he, right now, I think coverage-wise, playing man coverage is, is probably his biggest weakness it's not so that he can't do it. I think he just isn't, you know, as comfortable as you would like, uh, you know, more of an upperclassman to be uh, when he's turning and running on those vertical routes. But in terms of seeing things in front of him and, and you know, transitioning from out of phase and, and into coverage, I think he does really well uh, from, from that aspect. Um, you know, and, and he's a guy that's going to come downhill uh, and then fill those uh, those gaps in, in the run lanes. Uh, probably one of the, the better run defending safeties, uh, you know, heading into this 2022 and tw- 2022 season and the 2023 draft. Uh, he's a rising senior. And I, I truthfully think he has a talent to, to end up being a top 50 player. Um, and, and I think it's going to really take him taking that next step uh, in coverage because I think, that's the the biggest knock I have right now is that he can cover, you know, all over the field, but the the consistency and man coverage needs to be a, be there. And I felt like at times he was guessing in man coverage, uh, trying to anticipate and, and guess wrong sometimes. But I, I certainly see the the football IQ, someone that has incredible chase down ability. Uh, can can move sideline to sideline uh, pretty easily and, and has the smooth uh, athleticism to to do a, a little bit of everything. And, and he did make plays in coverage last season. I, I don't want that to be, um, you know, something that people think he couldn't do. But I just think mm-hmm. to take that next step and, and be, you know, a top prospect, I think he's going to have to be a little bit more consistent um, defending uh, his half of the field and, and being a little bit better on on the deeper routes, but really down the stretch of the season, I think he played his best football uh, against Fresno State. I uh, had an interception uh, in that game, you know, against Jake Hayner, and that 
uh, incredible offense. And then he also made a, a really nice fourth down stop on a jet sweep where he came across the field and, and stuck Jalen Cropper behind the line of scrimmage. So really, really good player. Uh, I think he right now I would say he's easily in my top 100 uh, once I leave summer. But in terms of where he can can go, I think he can only go up from here. Hopefully we get to see him at the Senior Bowl. Hopefully I get to see him at the Senior Bowl in person. Fingers crossed that Jared Feimer gets to go to the Senior Bowl next year for the first time ever. Really hope so. All right. Prospect that I want to talk about, one of the first prospects I want to talk about from my list um, is Brian Brzee from Clemson, defensive lineman, 6'5", 300. He's a former highly touted five-star recruit who has played as such since he arrived at Clemson. Um, He was hurt for a majority of last season due to a torn ACL he suffered against NC State. Um, However, when he is healthy, Brzee is is or was one of the most dominant defensive tackles in college football. Clemson has... Brzee, you know, lining up in different alignments such as three tech, um, nose tackle um, at zero tech. Yeah, played some five tech, so he he can play in different fronts, different schemes. Um, he can be a three four defensive end, or he can be a four three three tech. So there is some scheme versatility with him for the next level. Brzee. Um, he offers a good first step um, that allows him to sustain ma- and maintain leverage at the point of attack. Um, he has nonstop a nonstop motor that he can use to, and, and it will allow him to pursue ball carriers and quarterbacks, uh, whether that's from the backside or whether quarterbacks are breaking contain. Uh, so we, I've seen him make multiple plays in the backfield whenever a quarterback's breaking contain or he's coming from the backside trying to crash down on opposing ball carriers. Um, Brzee is also a superb run defender due to his functional play strength, um, hand power, football IQ. Like He is so well-rounded as a player. Um, Offers good hand usage, sheds blocks at a high clip um, due to that powerful play strength he plays with um plays with good power in the upper and the lower half um he does have some good functional pass rush plan like he does have a good functional pass rush plan um like miles murphy like i was talking about in the last episode he brzee as well needs some work in terms of growing his pass rush plan like i think his secondary counter um, could be a work in progress, but uh, th- there are also times you know, Brzee will sometimes just expose his chest, especially when he's facing double teams or he's coming up around the arc or at the top of the arc. And I think that's one of the things that he also needs to work on as well. Um, there, you know, there are times that his pad level because of that can be hit or miss, um, but. I really do like Brzee's physical and athletic profile. Um, he, he's got the athleticism, but it's not the level that we see with Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter is a phenomenal athlete for his position. Um, Brzee is 
a good player and a good athlete for his position either way, though. And I think if Frizee, if he can stay healthy this coming season, I think he can be a top 10 pick, potentially. Maybe top 15. Um, if he can put up a good productive season, a good season of tape, um, there, there's a good chance he could go top 15, top 20. I could definitely see that. And what I've noticed about this defensive line draft class so far is that it's a lot better than it was the last couple of seasons. You know, like, sure, last year we had a couple first round, we had one or two first rounders from the defensive tackle group. But this year, this coming year, we could have maybe two, maybe three. You have Jalen Carter, Brian Brzee, and, you know, there are going to be other names that will pop up throughout the season. So it's a good group, and I really like the talent that we we have with the defensive line group. And I know Nick Price, um, our defensive lineman, or more of our front seven uh, scout for blue chip scouting, um, he's got rave reviews about both Brzee, Murphy, Carter. Like he he has mentioned before that you know this is a class that has good talent at the top and plenty of depth, which is something that I think teams are going to look forward to this coming season, assuming these guys end up declaring for the NFL draft. Um, but again, Brzee, if he if he's healthy this season, he can boost his stock and make a play for top 15, top 10 pick next year. I could definitely see it. Yeah, he's a really talented player. Um you know, and, and like you said, injury cut is, is season short. But just from what you were able to see, I mean, you know, you see you see the trace to be a, a really, really good football player and, and really could take his game to the next level, uh, you know, with another really good season and, and hopefully staying healthy throughout. So certainly going to be uh, someone someone to watch for me uh, in, in the next few weeks as well to, to kind of familiar, familiarize myself with them. Uh, my next uh, player uh, is is Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. Um, you know, he's someone that I've, I've watched like bits and pieces of. Uh, like I watched a little bit while obviously watching, uh, you know, the offensive lineman from Kentucky, like Dari Rosenthal um, and, and Luke Fortner, as well as Darian Kennard, but also, uh, you know, Wondell Robinson as well. So I, I've kind of gotten familiar with them and, and – you know, pretty much I, I knew since the Georgia game that people were going to be infatuated with his ability. I remember last summer he was working with uh, that that quarterback's coach, and, and we saw, like, his release be very quick, very fluid. Um, yeah. and, and, and then I knew once he was coming from Penn State to Kentucky, and then I watched his some of his film from Penn State, I knew that there was a chance that, you know, he could – you know, really pop on some radars if, if he had a, a solid season that he did. You know, I, I'm not going to say it was one of the best seasons in, you know, of, of quarterbacks we've seen, but it was a really good season. He operated a pro-style offense uh, with, you know, a former Rams uh, offensive coach. I think it's Liam Cohen is his name. Um, and pretty much for there, I mean, they, they, they did a lot of play action. It's, it's a lot of uh, you know, kind of pro concepts, building on on concepts. They they established a run early and often, but 
Daryl sees Will Levis in, uh, you know, option, read option uh, capacity. And he had a really, uh, a few nice runs this year. He, he had one really good one against LSU. And then, uh, like, he jumped over a dude against Louisville. So he, the athleticism is clearly there with Levis. Like, he's he's not just your, you know, guy that's going to sit back there and, and, and operate from the pocket. You know, they really take advantage of his athleticism, moving the pocket, uh, showing off his uh, his arm, you know, his, his deep ball ability is, is there. He can he can hit all the throws, uh, has a, a very quick, um, you know, an anticipated release, zips the ball over the field. I uh, really like his ability to drive the ball in the middle of the field off of play action. I think that's a, a very pro-like concept that, uh, you know, not, not everyone in the NFL does that a lot. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a big thing for him to be able to do that. Obviously, for me, the the biggest thing is they're the inconsistencies with with his accuracy. Uh, you know, when when he's under pressure, uh, this is, you really see the the difference in, in when he has time to throw versus when he has to rush up his his mechanics, his uh, you know his process, his delivery, and, and the turnovers came. Uh, you know, while he he was he was really good and he showed a lot of flashes of you know, having a uh, top level of talent. He also showed a lot of turnovers as well. Um, threw a pick six against Tennessee, uh, you know, had, had a, a turnover or two against Georgia. I mean, the the list kind of goes on, you know, and, and, and as good as he, he played in, in, you know, the, the potential that I see with him, uh, I, I don't think he's a first round quarterback right now. You know, I, I think he's a firm second or third rounder at this point that, you know, you're really betting on his traits if he if you do think he's a first rounder at this point of his development. You know, and I, and, and certainly you you do that to a certain capacity uh, with with quarterbacks, but at the same time you got to be able to uh, continue to see the field, read the field clearly. I think he still has some issue uh, staring down receivers. There were times he did that and and ended up at interceptions. Uh, and I want to see him just work his progressions a, a little bit more. You know, I think off of play action is when he's at his best, but I want to see him improve uh, the quick game, improve, you know, the the five-step drop, really being able to, to game from, you know, one to two to three and in terms of his reads, uh, you know, and, and not playing hero ball sometimes. You know, it's, it's okay to, to throw the ball away. It's okay to check it down to your running back and, and let it to find another day. He did a good majority of that this year too, where he was willing to check down, but I want to see him when he gets in trouble in the pocket, you know, be able to make good decisions and, and not turn the football over as a high club. So right now I got probably a, a, a day two grade on, on Will Levis. I think really right now, Unless I see something different, I think outside of Bryce Young and, and CJ Stroud, I don't think I'm going to have a day one grade for a quarterback um, at this point uh, of the summer. But we'll have certainly in the discussion with a top five quarterback. I think right now he, he's clearly uh, one of the more gifted quarterbacks in, in college football, but I want to see him be a little bit um, you know, more consistent just as a passer in general. I think the thing with Will Levis is that, you know, he had he had an opportunity to declare for the draft last year. And could he have been the 
best quarterback of the group, maybe. Um, I don't know if, you know, I, I still think Kenny Pickett probably would have been the first quarterback off the board. Um, but Levis probably had one of, outside of Malik Willis, probably had the best physical skill set um, and athletic profile in the draft. Um, so Will Levis is definitely going to be someone I'm going to be interested in watching throughout the summer. Um, and, you know, we're, this is another quarterback, you know, that we, we see the talent. We, we know it's there. It's more of can he put it together? I think that's going to be a lot of what a lot of these other quarterbacks outside of Young and Stroud, um, if they're going to be able to do that. You know, Spencer Rattler, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, like those guys have the talent. They just need to put it together. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Will Levis. I'm very curious how his development will go, especially now that his offensive coordinator from last year is now back in the NFL. So how his development goes, we'll see. But the next player on my list I want to talk about, Noah Sewell. And you may have heard this last name before. Um, Drafted in 2020 was his older brother, Lions offensive tackle Panay Sewell. Um, he is the younger brother of Noah Sewell is the younger brother of Panay. Um, and he himself was a highly touted five-star recruit, um, coming out of high school. And he's now right. He's right now the heart and soul of Oregon Stevens. Kayvon Thibodeau now in the NFL, it's all Noah Sewell's offense. You also have Justin Flo right next to him as well this coming season, but like his brother, um, I, I thought Noah, for his size at 6'3", 250, he had terrific movement skills, moving sideline to sideline. Um, when triggering downhill, Sewell is an absolute force who will knock your head off of your shoulders if you're not, care- if you're not careful. Like, this is a guy that will hit you hard coming downhill. There were times, you know, where he would miss tackles because he was just playing out of control and coming downhill way too aggressively. But I think that's something that he can work on. He can control um, over the next, um, over the night, over the next several months throughout the season. Um, His size, his frame and length will allow him to have a large tackle radius. And I've seen him multiple times, um, making a lot of tackles just because of his arm length, and he has such he has such a good grip. Whenever he gets your whenever he gets your hand, his hands on you, he's going to put you down. That's the type of player he is. He's a physical linebacker, but he also has athleticism. He's a big physical linebacker with athleticism, which we don't really see that often. Um, Sewell is very disciplined when it comes to his run fits. Um, and maintaining gap integrity while showing great instincts and field vision, still growing in pass coverage. You know, there, there were times where he would bite the cheese a little bit on misdirection and play action. Um, and I think he could show a little bit better spatial awareness in zone drops, especially when it comes to zone hook drops. But overall, he does show some pretty solid awareness in those drops, always rallying to the football. Uh, will shed blocks at a high rate as well. 
Um, and that's a lot due to his physicality and powerful hands at the point of attack. There will be times last season. There were times last season um, where he did overrun his pursuit angles, and sometimes that would allow allow ball carries to cut back inside. Um, but this is a player that I think, as he continues to grow, he could end up being the highest drafted linebacker uh, since Devin White when Devin White went fifth overall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in, I believe it was 2019. So this is a player that uh, will be very high on the NFL radar. He's going to be someone that, you know, will will show growth. I think he has shown plenty of growth over the last two seasons at Oregon. And this is a guy that if he can fully – develop into the player I think he can become, which is arguably one of the best linebacker prospects we've seen maybe since Luke Keegley. Sewell may end up getting drafted very, very high. Like this is a player that improve if shown improvement in pass protection or not pass protection and pass coverage. Um and also able to kind of keep himself under control. This is going to be a very, very good football player at the next level. Um, do you have any thoughts on Sewell? Any like pre- preliminary thoughts? Yeah, I actually, uh, you know, I, I watched him a little bit against uh, Utah when I was watching Dalton Kincaid, and yeah, I mean, he, I feel like he's he's pretty advanced for for a linebacker's age in terms of just his development. Because I mean, you've seen you've seen guys like Henry Toa Toa, Demarvin. Uh, Overshown, uh, be guys we talked about as maybe top linebackers, but Noah Sewell, I mean, it's already there, you know. Yeah. He, and then he he made a play against Utah where you know he went from his linebacker spot uh, and and did his coverage drop and got underneath a uh, a dig route and, and made an interception, you know. So that that just shows. His ability, his football IQ, and and just everything he can can bring to the table. So I'm, I'm very excited to, to continue to watch him and, and see what he does. Uh, last play I want to talk about uh, this morning, uh, a little bit off the beat, but uh, it, it's a Texas State offensive lineman, Kyle Hergel. Uh, he's originally from Toronto, Canada, played uh, mostly guard with Texas State uh, during the 2021 season. Uh, he's a transfer from North Dakota. Uh, he played for University of North Dakota 2019 and then the spring of 2021 for the spring season. Then he transferred to Texas State and, and ended up playing there as well. Uh, as time at North Dakota 2019, he led or he was part of the team that uh, got their first FCS playoff win uh, in program history. So uh, pretty cool for him. But he's like 6'2", about 300 pounds. Uh, that's where he's listed as on Texas State's um, roster. roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for him, the thing that stood out to me is I only watched two games because uh, I only had two games available, but it was against Baylor and Louisiana Lafayette, two of the better defenses in college football. Uh, he went up against guys like uh, Taylor Humphrey from from UL, who was massive. I think he was like 6'6", 340. Um, and, and then Baylor had a interior interior defensive line, man, this what I think Ika uh, or Ika um, as well, who was, who was really solid. So for me, what, I, what stood out to me is that 
he's not the the most athletic guy. I think he's he's a a little bit stiff in his lower half, but in terms of his ability to, um, you know, make blocks or, or make blocks on on perimeter within uh, the box, he does a really good job uh, pulling and, and kicking out players, uh, attacking the uh, play side shoulder of. Uh, defensive lineman and, and being able to kick them out. Uh, he has a really mean, nasty streak where he tries to finish his finish everybody. There were several times uh, between those two games where he was putting someone or driving someone through the ground. Um, in, in terms of drive block, he, he does a really nice job working in tandem on double teams, working up to linebackers uh, and locating uh, and anticipating where they'll be. Um, like I said, not the most athletic guy, so there are times where he doesn't get – you know, the full block, especially on those double team blocks, but he gets enough of a piece to, to make a difference. Really savvy, IQ heavy football player. He's not one that's going to wow you with physical ability, but but he understands where he needs to get, how he needs to get there. I think he has probably about average arm arm length. So that to me, that means he's probably going to stick in the interior. But I really see him as a, a potential center. He played center in high school uh, before he moved to guard almost exclusively in college. I think he's more of a uh, convert to center. I think he could play both guard spots, no problem. Uh, has has pretty good pad level. Footwork is is solid, base is solid. Um, but he, he does struggle uh, a little bit uh, in, in pass protection with – you know, kind of those those quicker uh, quicker guys that could put him on, on his heels. So I, I would like to see him handle them a little bit better. But in terms of matching power, like I said, he has average arm length. So there are times when people get in his chest, but he does a really nice job replacing his hands and, uh, you know, driving uh, defenders back. So for me, probably uh, a day three guy, in my opinion, uh, I think probably sixth, seventh round is, is where I see him right now. Uh, he did get a draftable grade from Blesto. Uh, so I, I think he certainly has draftable talent, but I, I think for him to take the next step, he's going to have to continue to uh, showcase his football IQ and, and, and be really good in, in the run game, but, but continue to improve and, um, you know, continue to uh, you know, grow as uh, a second level uh, blocker. I think that's his biggest thing that he's going to need to improve, continuing to, to master those angles and, and be able to, to continue to work in tandem on, on double teams, getting up to linebackers. But certainly a, a day three player right now, but but certainly someone that interest, interested me uh, you know, while watching. Is he an underclassman or is he a senior? So he's going to be a red shirt junior okay so, so he is he, eligible yeah yeah he's eligible um and you know i uh, had a conversation with him he I, I think he's expecting this to be his last year so so we'll see what happens um mm -hmm. but, but yeah he's, he's an upperclassman for sure and uh you know it was it was kind of a complicated process because he redshirted uh his true freshman season 2018 played as a redshirt freshman in 2019 2021 spring season is a little bit cloudy in terms of, uh, you know, how do they do eligibility from there? Right. You know, he's an extra year with COVID anyway, but he played the spring and fall 2021. So that's how he's, he's a redshirt. Wow. That, 
playing in the spring and in the fall with not a lot of rest between seasons. Yeah. And that that's it, it will be it, I I'm very curious to know like how his process went, especially since he ended up playing basically back to back seasons in a three month span. So I, I'm interested to see if he were to go to the Senior Bowl. I think that's some, that's something I'd be very interested in knowing about. Um, last player I want to talk about for today's podcast is Michael Mayer, tight end from Notre Dame, arguably the best tight end in college football. Mayer is a four-star, former four-star recruit, um, already the best at his position, arguably 6'4", 249. There are a lot of things that – you can't really critique him on. Maybe it's his lack of a true athletic profile, but that's probably it. Honestly, this is a player that just offers so much at the position. Um, as a rising junior, he's going to offer great route running skills, the ability to create separation as he does a great job selling routes at the top of them. Um, he will cause defenders to fall step and does a good job hitting his landmarks when running routes. Mayor's ball skills are just phenomenal, um, offering amazing body control through the catch, especially in contested catch situations, uh, making grabs over the middle of the field. He has a great catch radius that allows him to create after the catch. That part is where I was surprised the most. His ability to create after the catch. He doesn't have the best athletic profile, but he can create after the catch. He has quick feet for his size, 6'4", 249. And he will use he will run over you. He will not be afraid to lower his shoulder and run over you. This is a guy that is already so well-rounded for the position. And I was so impressed when watching his film. He um Mayor's really good when lining up as an inline tight end. Um, very comfortable there. His good understanding of how to release when coming off those blocks when whenever he's blocking and releasing. Um, offers great play and functional strength. That allows him to be a very effective blocker at the point of attack. Maintains a good base. Rock solid hands when engaged. Um, and, you know, again... Doesn't have an elite athletic profile. And also there's in, I was actually like, you know, kind of reading, see what others had after I finished my um, eval on mayor, I wanted to see what others thought about um, Kyle Krabs of the draft network. I ended up looking at what he had to write down about uh, Michael Mayer. And he was, he was like, you know, the baby Gronk comparison isn't, really fair to him but does he have that ceiling to get there one day absolutely and i agree with him i think mayor has the has the potential to be a very good tight end at the next level possibly one of the five best tight ends in the nfl maybe a top three tight end in the nfl um and you know most of his big plays last year came against busted coverages there was that one busted coverage um, against Florida State, where it just kind of boosted up his box score to he had like nine catches for 120 yards, but a lot of those yards came on that busted coverage um, against Florida State. But 
He does create after the catch, and I think that's really important. He's a good route runner. He's still developing as a route runner. I think he's still trying to get more of the nuances of the position or of those areas of his game. As he continues to improve that, he's already NFL ready. Like, I think he can come in and actually make an immediate impact. You know, we see tight ends in the NFL today. It takes him a few years to develop. We didn't see George Kettle or um, Travis Kelsey really emerge as top tight ends until at least their third year in the league, um, just based off my recollection. So Mayer's that type of tight end where he is so well-rounded that he can come in and make an impact immediately. So I'm looking forward to seeing Mayer this season. Um, I expect him to have a bigger role this season. He may end up having such a great year he may if his role is big enough he may end up having close to a thousand yards receiving this year he may end up being the top the top weapon for Notre Dame's offense um so it'll be interesting to see um how Notre Dame utilizes him if they actually do give him or if they actually allow him to play in a bigger role this year but no doubt in my mind that he is everything you look for right now in an NFL tight end the athletic profile will come up as a concern, but you know this is one of the best players at his position coming into the season. So I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Mayor's progress this season. Yeah, really talented tight end. Uh, someone I'm, I'm going to get to in the next few weeks, um, but, but very impressed with what I saw from him in live viewings. I think he's uh, clearly the the best tight end in, in college football. Um, and, and draftable tight end, uh, I, I should add to that. And very excited to see how he fares in 2022 um, because if he has any sort of production like he did last year, I think he, he will have tight end one sealed for 2023, the 2023 yeah. draft. Mm-hmm. You know, you could always – there could always be a tight end that could emerge next season, but it's hard to see who will actually emerge at the position. You know, I think Mayor has that spot locked down for the moment. Um, but again, you, we always see guys rise up and end up being one of the better players at their position when we didn't even know who they were in the summer. Like we've seen that happen at every position, especially quarterback, especially tight end. Uh, so looking forward to seeing Mayor's progress and probably one of my favorite players in this draft class. Mayor's just fun to watch. Um, I know Ryan Roberts um, of Ryzen Draft, he's done – or I know he's a big Notre Dame fan. He loves Michael Mayer. Um, I know Kyle Krabs loves Michael Mayer as well. I mean, this is a player I think a lot of people will end up liking once they finally get to his summary eval. Once they finally get to his film, they'll be like, oh, yeah, this this guy's legit. So, yeah, that will be it for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we'll be talking more summer scouting, as always. Hope you guys have a great day. Peace.